Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey guys, welcome. It's time for this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. And Kunal, it is officially that time of the year when Timo Glock is remembered more than Lewis Hamilton himself. Well, in that case, why don't you tell me, do you think he moved over on purpose or not? Well, I know you're in a spot, but <laughs> Yeah, I was well, hoping you wouldn't ask me that question. You know, the thing is I still can't believe that fans are going on and on about it on social media. It's time to move on. Yeah, and in fact, Lewis Hamilton himself said that if he had lost the 2008 World Championship, he would have been finished. Now, that's actually interesting, and let's try and see how it could have turned out had he actually lost that title. So, Felipe Massa would have been world champion, which is like wow. And we don't know if he could have done what uh, Raikkonen, Nico Rosberg and Jensen Button did, you know, like win a world championship and then go chill out. Or maybe he could have gone the Lewis Hamilton way, you know, winning several more championships. Although that seems a little like too too much to too ask much for. Too much to ask for. For Felipe Massa. Sorry. That's true. Yeah. Because, you know, this that whole title loss, it did defeat Massa somewhere. And he literally never went back to being the driver that he was in 2008. Anyway, so if we still continue down this road or rather now that we still are, Lewis Hamilton would have had one whole championship less. Okay. But I don't think that Mercedes would have not signed him uh, when they did because I don't necessarily think they signed him because he was a world champion already. And in fact, I think they signed him because without the world championship or not, at that point of time he was the best talent available on the grid. So basically you're saying that apart from Massa and Hamilton's title tallies, not much would have changed. <laughs> and of course, Timo Glock would have been a little less famous <laughs> or less hated at yeah. least, but uh, well, at least that's what I think so. And you know what? Everyone can debate this with me and everyone can actually be right because we will never know. And since we're on Felipe Massa, he made a very bold claim recently. So he said Vettel has made more mistakes than Ferrari this whole season. And Kunal, you know what? I think I'm going to agree with that. Well, by the looks of it, yes, I would agree as well. But let me also put it this way and again, I'm not out to defend Sebastian Vettel. I'm nobody to to do that. But this is what I've observed. And I think that Vettel's mistakes were definitely on, but most of these mistakes were because You know, Vettel probably thought that he needed to push a little more or you know a little extra to compensate for Ferrari's mistakes, you know, sometimes on the pit wall. And again, we'll never know, but Massa definitely has a point out here. Bernie Ecclestone in fact said that Vettel was all alone at Ferrari during the title fight. And I'll tell you what, I think Vettel is just lacking a mentor in Ferrari. I know we've said this before in a previous episode, but let's probably talk about it a little, little further. And I also think that Ferrari probably need a racer at the helm of things. And you know, it's very interesting the whole uh, 
historical perspective of who has led formula 1 teams uh, you know in the past so previously it used to be the engineering guys you know becoming the top bosses of the teams like we've seen frank williams patrick head and so on then became the commercial and so called guys who could bind the whole team together you know like the ceo types but somehow it's probably gone back to the guys who can still keep the racing perspective while the show keeps going on so that's my view and you know this is something we've heard that somebody like niki lauda or helmut marco should be there in ferrari focusing purely on the racing i read this joke that if matteo binotto goes from ferrari uh, ferrari will just find someone else from philip morris to replace him <laughs> Well that's actually true but cruel. <laughs> yeah and I'll tell you where I agree with you Kunal. So Lewis Hamilton was similarly lost at McLaren after Ron Dennis's departure. That's correct. And Verstappen has three mentors at Red Bull <laughs> Racing literally. So obviously there's Helmut Marko, there's Christian Horner and his father. How can we forget Mr. Jos Verstappen? But uh, since we mentioned the whole CEO business of Formula 1 teams and it's it's also to be seen this way you know ceos of fortune 500 companies can have executive coaches and mentors and then why not formula 1 drivers and in comparison to the ceos you know formula 1 drivers are much younger and in my view go through far longer pressure situations you know throughout the year like every 14th day or something they are pretty much on the block every 10th day actually you know and like for 9 months of the season so it's it's something that they should consider hmm lewis hamilton is of course 33 years old vettel is 31 but verstappen and charles the clerk are just 20 my god that's so young i'm like <laughs> every time i think of that i i get like quite surprised but yeah kunal you have a point and then there's ocon and gasly and it just seems like the average age of a formula 1 driver is dropping by several years i think when kimi retires that number will <laughs> plummet further i'm going to quote stefan johansson a former swedish formula 1 driver he recently wondered if formula 1 has become a development series for drivers as well and he of course cited max verstappen's famous struggles as a very very strong example yeah mick schumacher he won the f3 title and suddenly everyone's talking of a formula 1 drive for him i honestly remember the ladder being far longer and tougher for the previous generations of drivers oh yes mm-hmm. absolutely i mean it it just seems like hey i've won a formula 3 title and i don't mean in perspective of mick but generally you know it's like it's like drivers are being drafted into formula 1 a little too early maybe i don't know i could be wrong but since we are on the topic of ferrari maurizio arriva ben said that ferrari are afraid of winning and maybe this is an insight into the political battles we read about ferrari ever so often are they afraid to call out what's wrong and maybe is this where the watchdog racer could actually come and do wonders for them yeah and you know kral i'm going to ask you this straight up do you think ferrari can win the constructors championship in 2018 and honestly both ferrari and mercedes are making a hell of a lot of noise about it You know the way I see it, Mercedes need to have a series of retirements for Ferrari to claw back the 55 points deficit. And not that I have a crystal ball or anything, but I genuinely don't see that happening. Unless you know Mercedes have like uh, an Austria situation where there's a double DNF. Because if you were to do basic math, even if Mercedes finished like fifth and sixth, which is probably the worst that top three teams could finish in the next two races. 
uh, they can still claim the constructors' championship if Ferrari still get one too. So Mercedes need to do literally the bare minimum, and they'll still be world champions. Yeah, and you know, I would have usually reserved this for the what Wolf said this week section, but you know what the hell. So Wolf has been talking about a big battle and unfinished business, and you know, a lot of dramatic words <laughs> being thrown around. <laughs> yes, I read a Lewis Hamilton interview a few days ago. and he spoke of young drivers giving up on education to pursue racing and you know how that worried him uh, he also mentioned how fernando alonso thought that he controlled the driver market in 2014 and that's literally a few years ago and how he would say never say never to joining ferrari or something like that he said right yeah on the ferrari point i think he's just being really respectful towards them <laughs> or you know kunal maybe he could do what michael schumacher always wanted to do you know win titles with both ferrari and mercedes now that sounds really interesting you know it's like valentino rossi what he did in moto gp can lewis hamilton do the same thing in formula 1 oh my god yeah it just sounds so cool and uh, it also feels strange knowing that you know nico rosberg is the only driver to have beaten both michael schumacher and lewis hamilton as teammates and literally it's nico rosberg of all the people what a statistic for the history books that's insane uh, but i'm going to go back to lewis hamilton for a second so you know his comments on young drivers and their education it totally adds up with what uh, leclerc said a few hours ago So he said that if I don't perform at Ferrari they should just kick me out. <laughs> But that's true. Yeah. And can you imagine just going through your major career cycle by the time you're only 25 and then basically just not knowing what to do? Yeah, maybe Formula E, who knows. You know that's <laughs> the only way they'll get all the talented drivers. But I found out that Lewis Hamilton's dogs make up to $700 per day for ad shoots. Now, can you imagine that? $700 for ad shoots for Lewis Hamilton's dogs. It's literally a dog's life out there in Formula <laughs> 1. Hey, and Kunal, another fun fact. So Hamilton and Leclerc are actually the only drivers on the grid without penalty points this season. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it is. And Charles Leclerc is hoping to fight for the title next year. And it's going to be fun to see when he and Lewis Hamilton go wheel to wheel and how clean they can actually be against each other. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. So closing point in this whole Mercedes Ferrari section or discussion or whatever. So the bosses of both the teams are suddenly seemingly in favor of the cost cap idea. I'm just wondering if this is common sense that has finally prevailed or maybe it's just Liberty Media's arm twisting at work. Well, honestly, I don't care what it is as long as it happens. But we're going to leave this for another episode. We we should definitely talk about how the cost cap is actually easier to talk about. like on our podcast and every other website you read it on but just so much more difficult to implement. Haas has said that fourth or fifth would be a good achievement for 2018. Though frankly, Kunal if I were Haas, I think I'd be quite upset with fifth place because I think they were quite capable of scoring fourth place as well. You know, they just had to keep it together in the first half of the season. You mean Roman Grosjean? Yeah, right? basically. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, Force India should have been fourth place. And uh, just so you guys know, I am still keeping this score. But Haas now has the rich energy title partnership, so that's good money for them, so long as they get it. Otmar Schaffner said that Lance Stroll would be great for Force India next season, and surprisingly, this is the guy that also said that Force India are targeting a top three finish in two thousand and nineteen. 
you know what? I'm not willing to discount Lance Stroll just yet. He always wanted this opportunity. Uh, let's see what he can make of it. So I'm going to just hold on before I continue with the Stroll to Force India jokes that we've been having. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I don't think it's one opportunity though because he's definitely going to be at Force India for several seasons without a doubt. Yes, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, which then reminds me that Claire Williams said that uh, you know, Williams avoided a Force India type of implosion in 2018, which then makes me wonder if Williams can survive in the long run without the stroll money. It's such a scary time. Yeah, and it just makes so much sense that the team is taking their own sweet time to decide their driver lineup for next year. I mean, it would be a no-brainer to sign up Ocon, of course, but still. Yes, yeah, so Paul Resta, my favorite Formula 1 driver. Okay, I'm kidding. So, Paul DiResta has warned Pierre Gasly about Helmut Marco. Now, you see where all of this is going back to is just how ruthless Formula One can be, especially for these young drivers. Christian Horner has also said that Max Verstappen will not be an early target for Pierre Gasly. But, you know, in this case, I think we know that it is Marco who sets targets for the drivers. <laughs> <laughs> McLaren have said that the 2019 Formula 1 car is going to be like the Red Bull racing car. I mean, basically designed with the same philosophy or something like that. Now, firstly, it isn't unlike Formula 1 teams to copy each other. So that's fine. But next year, I have a feeling that McLaren will want the engine that Red Bull Racing has to, you know. <laughs> Maybe just <laughs> have famous... Max Verstappen as well, you know, package deal. <laughs> Mark Webber has said that he is worried for Daniel Ricciardo and that a non-competitive team and car could make Ricciardo fall out of love for Formula 1. Now, that's fair and that's human. But I don't ever think that Formula 1 will ever stop loving Daniel Ricciardo. Yeah, Ricciardo and Raikkonen, like my two favorite drivers slash characters in the paddock. And uh, by the way, Kimi Raikkonen said that he never saw a Formula 1 race till his first test with Sauber. Uh, that's a statement I highly doubt because uh, Raikkonen was a budding racer when Hakkinen won his multiple titles. So, you know, it's so surprising that he had never seen a race till his Sauber test, but cool. Now, I am glad that despite all your Raikkonen love, you are able to see beyond his words sometimes. Sometimes, okay. <laughs> only sometimes. Hey, by the way, Formula One drivers want to have digital rear view mirrors. Kunal, I can see you cringing behind oh your microphone. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, of course, uh, I love digitization, but I think this is too much. You know, we're going to take away the checkered flag and now even the rearview mirrors could go digital. And I remember how, you know, drivers would adjust their mirrors just before going out on a hot lap. And that used to be like awesome to see on television. And here they'll probably, you know pressing left and right button to adjust camera angles or something. Oh, Lord, no. But I'll tell you who would love this whole digital rearview mirror idea the most. It's the engineers, because then they'll just have one less drag-inducing piece on the car. Now, that's impressive. Yeah. Thank you, yes. So, we're in Brazil this weekend, and here's Lucien's Moments in Time section. And given the history of the circuit, this is an absolutely interesting segment. And... You know, when I think of Brazil, I actually remember Nico Hulkenberg's pole lap. Yeah, and Kunal, you know, for all the love you expressed for Lewis Hamilton in the last episode, Lucien's called you out in this segment. So guys, please tune in, listen all through and enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to Moments in Time on the How Many Times Can We Mention Lewis Hamilton's Name in One Podcast podcast. <laughs> um, <clears throat> 
<coughs> Sorry. Um, I mean, welcome to Moments in Time on the Proud to Come Out of the Closet and Be a Lewis Hamilton Fanboy podcast. <coughs> Sorry. Um, no, let me get that right. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucian Byfield. Today, we discuss the Brazilian Grand Prix and Lewis Hamilton. One of my enduring memories of 1989 was being stuck in a car with a mate a long way from home and desperately wanting to get home in time to see the first race of the year. I made it, only just, and seeing Mansell win in the terribly unreliable Ferrari was a shock and a joy. Senna tangled at the start with Berger and Patrese. Three, don't go into one. I loved seeing Montoya win in the Williams. I got up in the middle of the night for that, despite having the flu. And the following year, he did it again in the McLaren. But 2005 was the year Nando got his first championship. Many loved the footage of him celebrating standing on his car and letting out his emotion. But I, for one, thought it was a bit alarming, even disturbing. Alain Prost won the Brazilian Grand Prix six times, and his final win came as a first win for Ferrari in 1990. Tensions were high, the fans were hating Prost, and Jean-Marie Balestre needed bodyguards. I, for one, was pretty sure Prost was done when he left McLaren, and I was so glad to see him win again. Mark Webber got a couple of wins here too, and Vettel has won here for both Ferrari and Red Bull, often being very dominant. Ayrton Senna really had good luck in Brazil. Sometimes it was his own fault. Sometimes it was just plain bad luck. But in 1991, he got it done. And in a crazy race with car issues and body cramps, he, like Alonso, let out a crazy emotional outburst as he crossed the line. I loved hearing him call out, Daddy, to his father when he finally was able to get back in the pits. This was a soft side that we rarely saw. Jensen Button got his championship win in 2009, coming fifth. This was the race we saw the debut of the Japanese driver Kamui Kobayashi, and in Toyota, he looked like the next big thing. Barrichello had got his final pole too, but had his usual car issues in the race that always eluded him. Crazy fun fact, Jensen Button and Lewis Hamilton both won their first titles driving car number 22 and coming fifth. Nico Hülkenberg, that driver who has never scored a podium, got a fantastic pole in 2010, in the wet for Williams, and he has never looked as good since. Nico Rosberg had the edge over Hamilton in 14 and 15, and, like Senna, Hamilton seemed destined to never win Brazil, but he would put that right, but not in 2017, when he had a mother of a shunt in qualifying. More of that, please, Lewis. Thanks. As noted, Hamilton won a tremendous race in the wet in 2016, where Nico Rosberg and Max Verstappen nearly binned it. But it was Max Verstappen who gave us the comeback of all time on new tyres, passing almost everybody. Interlagos is an old school track, almost in a bowl, and with many vantage points for spectators. It was raised in the 70s and made its comeback in 1990. Weather can be crazy, just ask Prost in 93 when leading easily. A downpour came, and with some misunderstood pit communication, Prost stayed out and slid off down the pit straight. Senna got his second win there that day, and Damon Hill got his first ever podium. To leave you all, I won't bore you with the 2008 mess that we all know so well with Massa and Hamilton. But, rather, I will remind you of Giancarlo Fisichella's first ever win, and Jordan's last ever win in 2003. 
In a confusing race that saw some of the big names slide off in mixed wet conditions, it was Kimi Raikkonen being awarded his second win and second in a row, but incorrectly. Fisichella had taken the lead before Weber and Nando had mammoth crashes. Fizzy was awarded the win post-race, and Nando didn't even make the podium despite coming third. In closing, I am contractually obliged to mention Lewis Hamilton for no apparent reason. So, see you next time on Moments in Time on the Inside Lewis, uh, <clears throat> on the Inside Line with Lucian Biden. Ciao for now. Thank you so much, Lucian. And you know, frankly, when I heard Lucian's segment a few hours before we recorded, Kunal, I thought you wouldn't allow for it to be played. Well, no, I'm all for fair play. And this was fair play by Lucian. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. And uh, so, Kunal, it's time for you to give me your predictions for the race. Tell me, does it really matter anymore? I mean, it is going to rain and Mercedes could still have the tyre trouble. So I'm going to say yes, it matters. Well, I just had another flash of Verstappen's, uh, you know, dramatic save in the wet in Brazil last year. And I'm wondering if it was last year or the year before last. Well, anyways, you guys definitely know the moment I am talking about. So while I make my predictions here, other considerations, it's going to rain. Mercedes could still have tyre troubles. But most importantly, Lewis Hamilton has failed to win the race uh, you know, after winning a world championship or failed to win a race after winning a world championship. So I'm going to go with Sebastian Vettel, Kimi Raikkonen and uh, fine, maybe Lewis Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Yes. So what are your predictions? <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Vettel, Raikkonen and Verstappen, I guess. Yeah, because I think Mercedes will just chill out and, you know, see the others try to beat them. <laughs> probably. <laughs> And since it is Brazil, we are going to hear a lot about teams deploying extra security for their staff and all of that. So let's really hope that we have a clean weekend off track as well. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Remember, there is going to be no episode next week. We will be back days before Abu Dhabi. But uh, keep checking our Facebook page for latest updates from the world of Formula One. And of course... Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Audio Boom for your dose of Formula One humor. Bye bye. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.